Today's podcast is sponsored by Bradford White Water Heaters. Plumbing pros, when it's time to choose a water heater to install for your next job, whether it's residential or commercial, go with a product that is built to be the best. Go with Bradford White Water Heater. Pros know about the superior quality and reliability you get with Bradford White. Plus, they are engineered for the pro, so they are easier to install and service. How you heat your water matters. Choose Bradford White. Back to the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing today, buddy? JP, uh, happy Thursday. How are you? I'm good. We got NCAA tournaments coming up. Uh, first four tonight, then uh, the Illini start tomorrow playing game against Drexel, so I'm looking forward to that. More importantly, for those of you that listened to our podcast last week, you know that John, Eric, and I were getting together for a little trip up to Wisconsin to do some planning with Mechanical Hub team. So what do you think, John? Was it a successful trip to see each other for the first time in a year? I thought it was I thought it was successful. I thought place he chose was ideal. It was in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, but it was it was good. It was well, good. it's your old stomping ground, so you kind of grew up in the uh, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Yeah. Pretty much reminded me of it. So <laughs> it was a good trip. And guess now, what, the, Tim? What? No one in Wisconsin wears masks. We found that out quickly. Yeah. Although that's neither here nor there. I mean, the three of us were sitting in a big cabin talking shop for two days. That's right. That's right. Kind of going off, going over the plans for the next two or three years, and it was a lot of fun. And it was good to see you guys. We hadn't seen each other since last March at the Wet Show in Indianapolis. Yeah, and then the the fam and me, we go to uh, Outer Banks, North Carolina, on Saturday. So yeah, you're on vacation. Are you really stopping by the uh, Ward Compound? Gonna try. <laughs> Gonna try. You said you might be in your pajamas, so please be clothed I when we get there. I doubt I'm in my pajamas, regardless of what time of day you show up. Hopefully it'll be a nice day and we can maybe watch a game or two and get you guys on the road to the Outer Banks. But vacation for you next week, that puts the onus on me to post everything on the website. Thank you very little. Yeah. Well, speaking of what we did last weekend with talking planning and partnerships and sponsorships, it's kind of cool to have two guests on our program today that have recently created a a large partnership that we're going to talk a little bit about. But I'd like to introduce our guest first, Chris Carrier. Chris is the Director of Marketing Americas at Reliance Worldwide Corporation. He has over 15 years of experience in building brands, driving growth, and currently oversees the company's marketing strategy and execution for brands that we all know, such as SharkBite, Holdright, Cash Acme, Streamlabs, and John Guest. Our other guest is Ed Brady. Ed is the president and CEO of Home Builders Institute, which is a national nonprofit that trains underserved populations such as veterans, transitioning military, high school students, and justice-involved youth and adults for careers in the building industry. He currently oversees the operations and services for HBI. Welcome both Chris and Ed to the Not Dead Jet podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to yeah, be here. Yeah, thank you. Very welcome. John and I are looking forward to the conversation. Gave a little bit of bio on you and Ed there, but can you give us a little bit of uh, your journey in the industry, how long you've been involved with the industry, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it started for me, and um, really, I've been, I guess, directly involved with plumbing now for, for a little over five years, but it, it all started for me in the tool industry, working with a, <clears throat> with a hand tool company, and you know, I started in sales and then moved into marketing and uh, spent a little over eight years there, and then, then later on 
ended up here at, at RWC and have, have spent the last five years working in plumbing and, and I had some some experience in the tool world around the plumbing industry as well. And it's just um, it's, it's just a great industry to be a part of. I, I think, you know, we can talk about it through it sometimes maybe gets the, the wrong perception, but but really, you know, how do you live without water, right? Like it, it's just, it's a fascinating industry. I, I think it's just a great, great place to, or great industry to be a part of. Ed, what about you? Yeah, well, if, if this were on on film, you'd know that I got a little longer history from my from my hairline. But uh, I've been around for, than than Chris, but been in the industry since '88, and I joined a family business, and my dad started and uh, grade school, high school, cleaning out sump pumps and tar in basements, and and have come up through the ranks through the trades, and and then in '88, after a stint out in Washington D.C., uh, joined my dad and his building company, and and uh, spent about 32 years uh, in the residential building industry and building single-family homes. And uh, during that period, you know, learned to advocate for our industry and went up through the ranks in central Illinois and became local president and then became state president of the Home Builders Association and and, uh, ultimately ended up in 2016 being the national chairman of the National Association of Home Builders. And so been advocating for the industry for 25 years. And uh, that's what landed me here at the Home Builder Institute is advocating for the crisis we have in the skilled labor market. As a builder, I fully understand that it's hard to find good skill and good talent and uh, put in quality products. And so uh, as I traveled, realized what crisis we have. And they asked me to come join and help lead this organization. And it's a, it is a nonprofit that just does great work for underserved, providing opportunities, promoting the construction industry and the skilled trades and the labor force. And uh, so we train many, many populations. And we're out of Washington, D.C., but we're in 48 states in fo- some form of training the skilled workforce. And so it's it's uh, it's been a long journey. And uh, I'm really uh, thrilled to be at the Home Builder Institute and joining you guys and promoting a little bit about what we do. So I've been a part of the plumbing and heating trade industry as a journalist for about almost 20 years. And it seems like the skilled labor gap is always one of the top discussion points in the industry. And I'm just excited to to hear about you know this partnership that the Home Builders Institute and uh, RWC is combining together to address the skilled labor gap. What are you guys doing? What what's the partnership like? Can you t- walk us through that? Yeah. Well, I, I guess maybe I'll. St- start and and just say it's a partnership of common stakeholders and and as chris said you know what do you do without plumbers to put in running water and 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 good uh, disposal and and uh, the industry as well as civilization wouldn't exist without it you know the average plumber in this country is 58 years old we went to reliance and asked them if they'd be interested in being one of our trade partners and so as I suggested, we train all over the country, but we have 30 whatever plumbing programs th- that we train in throughout the country. With their great name and what we do at HBI, we ask them to come in and, and not only provide us some financial resources, which they have done, and, but they also provide um, materials for us to train on. And so mm-hmm. um, with their <laughs> with their great brand, we like to partner with great brands, as you mentioned earlier, Shark Bite, and, and train our students on materials that they'll use in real life. And, and so uh, this partnership is, is one of those 
trade sponsor, trade partnerships that they came in and, and helped support what we're doing, uh, gives us some financial support to expand and to become better and at the same time provide product. And hopefully we look at it as a real win-win-win for you know what they're doing in the community, uh, what they're doing in the industry, and what, what we're collectively doing for those students um, that, that want a career in the, in, the, in the plumbing industry. So it's a win-win-win. Students, HBI, RWC, and, and uh, uh, just thrilled to, to be able to share that. Yeah, I would I would echo what Ed's saying. For us, we're we're really excited about this partnership, and um, certainly it's a it's a win on all sides. Uh, it just felt like a really a, a natural fit for us when um, when we talked with HBI back in the fall, and we had just started a campaign uh, with Careers in Construction Month around trying to help reach out to people outside of plumbing and start to help maybe attract them into plumbing. Whenever we talk with our customers, this, like Ed was mentioning a minute ago, it was, it's always one of the top issues is how do we find skilled labor and retain that and retain those people? So we thought, you know, our lifeline is the industry, right? The plumbing industry and the trade. So once we talked to, uh, to HBI and saw what they were doing, it, it just, it was just an easy, easy decision on our behalf. It was right. just a natural fit. And they're doing so many good things, not just to promote the trade, but they're also helping those local communities by helping some of the at-risk youth change the direction of their lives and do something more productive. So there's a good social aspect as well. And it's it's helping bring new new talent into the industry. So it's it's a relationship we're certainly excited about from our end. Chris, Ed mentioned that one of the big parts of the relationship and the partnership was you know, obviously there's funding involved, but there's also materials involved. Yeah. How do you get those materials to the different training programs? Yeah, so we're we're early on in the uh, in the partnership, so we're working through that now with HBI. But we'll be working we're working with each of the uh, the programs to identify what materials they need, what their training or their curriculum looks like in those programs, and then we're supplying uh, materials that, that we manufacture. Ed, HBI's got a pretty storied program history dating back to 1947. Can you walk us through what HBI is and how the organization goes about changing the lives of the individuals through education, inspiration, preparation? We're in Job Corps programs uh, in 44 different states, which is a U.S. Department of Labor program that we train at-risk youth from 16 to 24 that that may not be that traditional learner in a residential setting in most cases. So it's a mini, mini community college campus, if you will, where uh, these young uh, people come onto the campus. They stay with us for eight to 12 months and they really learn the, a trade. It's, it's a pre-apprenticeship program, but, you know, depending on the capabilities, those students leave with some pretty advanced uh, knowledge as to, uh, in many cases, they, They'll opt out of a year of a real apprenticeship program. Training's in-depth in, in a lot of those Job Corps programs. As you said earlier, we we also train in transitioning military. We're on 10 military bases. Um, Home Depot Foundation funds entirely our, our transitioning military uh, from Camp Pendleton in California to Jacksonville in Florida and everywhere in between. Uh, and in that, we train some veterans and actually spouses, uh, men and women of, of military personnel to learn that trade profession so that when they get out, they, they have a skill and they have a credential that they can go demand a higher paying job, an hourly uh, higher paying rate. So 
very, very proud of what we do for the in, in the military. Um, we also train in, in corrections right there in Sheridan, Illinois. We training 250 to 300 uh, pre-COVID. Uh, it's a little more difficult, which we'll talk about probably a little bit on the on the blended learning. We train in prisons in Florida and Illinois and working in Colorado and Nebraska. We do juvenile justice programs in Florida and Maryland and and growing those programs is one of our pillars. And that, that's kind of the community. We're training with youth builds, whether they're in schools or they're just after school programs. We partner with Habitat for Humanity in Houston, Texas, and train students while they're building Habitat homes. Uh, so there's a real plethora of community programs. We're working with the 100 Black Men organization right now, which kind of touches a lot of uh, of our opportunities. You know, lastly, we're losing five out of, for every five that we lose, we're only bringing one person or one, one men or women into the industry. And so to really make an impact and, and, and stymie this crisis in skilled labor, we got to get back into the mainstream. And so we also license our curriculum, which uh, has de- been developed over these 50 years by the plumbers and the carpenters and electricians out there in 11 different trades. Um, and so that's the curriculum that we license in which we uh, have standards to train to. And ultimately, uh, as the Department of uh, Labor has uh, supported our program, we have cr- credibility to go throughout the country and put that curriculum in secondary schools. It, it's like baseball. You get more at-bats, you get more chances to hit hit, hit the home run. And so we're really putting an emphasis on bringing, in my generation, shop class back to the schools so that that 30 or 40 percent and maybe growing population of high school students that don't necessarily want to go on to four-year college, go into a bunch of college debt and not find a, a good job, our industry, average plumber, may make $57,000 right out of high school. In two years, they're making $50,000, $60,000. So, so we have to change the perception uh, as an industry as well. And, and that's why these partnerships are so important. And as I chairman of the National Association of Home Builders, I preached a lot to our members that we're only going to help ourselves. And to get a reliance involved in, in a Home Depot Foundation and those corporations that really understand the need, not self-serving, but certainly a win, to give back to the industry is really important. And, and Chris and his organization have been really leading on our program to get more industry manufacturers and suppliers. And without that, HBI couldn't do what they do. And we'll, we'll train directly ten to 15,000 students a year placing 80% of those students in the industry. So we're making an impact. We're changing the lives of those people. Would not have had that opportunity without the funding resources that uh, many of our funders provide. And so when we say we're building careers, changing lives, we're really giving purpose to our students, impact their community. And as you guys know, our industry is full of entrepreneurs. So not only do they learn a trade, but they're going to own a plumbing company someday and they're going to employ four or five people and they're going to give opportunities to to those that that might not have had it and so it's it's a all in one and one for all this this partnership uh, with HBI is really important so it's like you hit a home run <laughs> I've been at bat a long time what are some of the steps that you HBI takes to gain more sponsorship dollars and materials with reliance's entry into this you know they're publicizing the good work that they're doing and the investment they're making and so that goes a long way to uh, awaken other industry partners and so 
we're out there profitizing what we do every day. And the fact is, there's a crisis in the industry and the, the manufacturers of materials. Uh, I used to build, when I built houses, I used to build houses in 90 days. Now I'm building them and we're in nine months. And production is, is critical and we have to convince those manufacturers, suppliers, industry professionals. This is an important part of society. We need this for economic development. We need this to provide good housing. And and so we're using the partnerships with Reliance and uh, Home Depot Foundation and other new suppliers and say, look what's being done. And Chris can talk. It is an early relationship, but seeing some of the media that they put out Um, Hopefully that will resonate amongst other industry experts and and professionals so that we can grow this and provide more resources to train more people to populate that next generation of workforce. So, Ed, I'm interested. Uh, I'm a young person looking to get into the trades or I'm ex-military. How do I get involved with your organization? Well, you can certainly go on HBI.org. That will give you menu of where our programs are. Uh, there, as I said, there's many different programs. Uh, a lot of them we run, but there are school programs, certified training ed- education, CTE in the schools. We need to start young people in the seventh and eighth grade ta- thinking about this because when they get into college, they're, many of them are already thinking about what they're going to do out of high school and it's not college, but you can go on HBI. You, you can pretty much Google workforce development and we'll show up somewhere. We're not the only show in town. There are a lot of really good programs that don't necessarily use our curriculum. And the programs are good because the industry is involved, because you get a practitioner that you know knows that we need to populate and give opportunity to replace him someday or her. You, know, you Google workforce development, you'll find HBI and other programs in your area. You touched a little bit on this earlier in the podcast, how COVID has kind of changed things. You have a blended learning. Can you talk about how you've kind of navigated through this? Yeah, it's been a challenge. You know, March 15th, a year ago, we we really, every one of our 211 programs shut down. We have prided ourselves on hands-on training as a 30-year practitioner. It, it, practice makes perfect. And, and the more repetition that you can get, the more on-job training you can get, uh, the better you're going to put in a shark bite, the more opportunities you get to repeat that. And so was really challenged last year with COVID. We were able to pivot because thankfully our forward thinking, we had in the works a learning management system that, that really digitizes our delivery into the schools with the lesson plans, with the simulations, with virtual reality learning, all the augmentation that is involved, you you can really train online in a meaningful way, in a right. significant way. Mm-hmm. That has gotten better. That has forced us as an industry. And what's exciting about that is it's also availed us more opportunities to touch people, to introduce the trade. We have 15,000 people registered in our learning management system. And that's that, that really kicked off on September 1st. So as we grow, we're, we're touching a lot more people. We're getting more people interested. I will always, as, a, as long as I'm in this seat and in the industry, I will always promote the practical hands-on uh, training as well. But that's the hybrid. We, we can teach safety. We can teach employability skills. We can teach, <laughs> I laugh, you could teach somebody how to show up at, at work on time, which may seem simple to, to a lot of people. But we can teach a lot of that online, but when it comes to plumbing pieces to, and putting them together, the more repetitions, the more practice you get, the better skilled person you're going to be. And, and so we, we will never leave that hands-on, 
but we have enhanced our abilities to train through COVID, and, and we'll continue to use that as an efficiency. Chris, is Tim, was just talking about parts and pieces, RWC's family of brands are known throughout the world for their performance and efficiency in plumbing and heating. How does RWC look at innovation to make tomorrow's next best product, which gets in the hands of these in the training industry? Yeah, I don't think that's um, that's really changed for us. Uh, you know, for us, it, it, it always uh, starts with our end customers. So talking with the plumbing contractors, working with our, our customer or end customers and, and making sure that we're solving problems that they're having, as well as uh, looking at even our current products and, and looking at ways that we can continue to enhance those. And, you know, everything we do with all of our brands, when you look at a, a shark bite fitting or, or any of our hold right products, our fire stops, our pipe support brackets, our DWB testing, I mean, it, it's all about helping our plumbing contractors work more efficiently. You know, it is harder to find that labor. It, these products are designed to help help the installations um, go faster and, and also still continue to deliver the quality that that our contractors need so um, you know again it, it still stays with with working with our customers whether that's virtually or getting out on a job site with them we're still using them to um, really drive our innovation John and Ed talked earlier about the challenges of the last year and I'm sure RWC had some of the same challenges as everybody else how did you guys navigate and adapt to covid over the last year with the protocols and how did that knowledge change or improve the way you may do business moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed everyone's life, right? We're, we're all remote um, or working virtually. Um, you know, we, we, us that worked in the office, you know, we left that Friday. We, we thought, okay, we're going to have to work remote for a couple of weeks and, and we'll all be back to normal. And, and here we are a year later and still the same way. So I think it's, it's ultimately going to make us more efficient in the way we work. So I think it's going to just continue to help us. Um, we've all adapted. Our field teams adapted. We internally have, have adapted. So we're do, we, we've gotten just new ways of doing things. You know, <clears throat> internally, you may not have to get on a plane and have that in-face meeting. You might be able to do it virtually now. So I, I think so. it just changes some of the ways we do things. But, you know, once we are back into a, a more normal environment, continuing to be on job sites and being out there with the contractors is still going to be at the heart of what we do. I don't think it changes anything when it comes to that. So for, forgive me, but this partnership announcement, was this supposed to be made at the Builder Show? Yeah, it absolutely was. And it was an exciting opportunity that we didn't get to uh, yeah. to fully vet. But uh, I, mean, I was just going to say, how much does that suck? You know, just <laughs> <laughs> not having that, you know, that excitement, that audience. I mean, you still have you know, the press to, to uh, well, let people it, know about it. Didn't it didn't help that the virtual show didn't go as planned either. You're right. But they, you know, Chris and uh, we both got our marketing teams and we're pushing this, uh, this partnership out as, as, as good as we can in these times. And, and we'll continue to push it out when we get in person as well. Well, and we certainly like to be a voice for it as well. I mean, this is critical to our industry. We want to make sure that we can do everything on our end as well. We appreciate that. Absolutely. So you guys ready for the, the rapid fire personal question? Well, I was, I was, well, real quick though, I was going to ask Ed, how much interaction does HBI have with the current administration when it comes to labor issues? Well, we're, we've got a history with the Department of Labor, U.S. Department of Labor. And so we're, we're looking forward to... Uh, New Secretary Walsh uh, being confirmed, and and uh, through that Job Corps program, we're 
we are really changing lives and building careers. And so we'll continue, in fact, very, very active in some innovative ways to deliver uh, training um, a little bit out of the box. So the previous administration we started conversations with and and this administration will continue. It's early uh, with this administration. You know, residential construction is is largely non-union, and so um, this administration is going to be very pro-union. But what the partnership is, and I, I just had lunch with the CEO of uh, AGC Association General Contractors, mm-hmm. we talked about this that you know we we're feeders to the industry, whether they go into commercial or residential. The pre-apprenticeship is an important aspect of learning. And, and teaching the younger generation to, to become professionals. And so we'll be actively uh, engaged with this administration. Um, you know, as a home builder and industry professional, we're, we're also very engaged in lumber. Uh, as you well, you all know, there's issues beyond labor, but labor being a prominent one, th- a third of the cost. Um, but we continue even at HBI to look at housing affordability and the fact that labor shortages cause increases in prices and in uh, affordability. So we'll continue to be, and I, I personally will continue to be engaged with the, the administration. We look forward to working with them. You don't always agree with every issue that administration will have, and I'm sure we'll have some of that. We really want to partner with this administration to enhance, and you saw then this most recent 1.9 trillion, and that's with a T. That's a big price tag, but there is a lot of there's some money in there for uh, training, you know, a lot of displaced workers and being able to to enhance uh, this profession. Now you look at an infrastructure bill. Um, that's a lot of our workers, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't improve infrastructure with just money. You have to have the skills. So. So we're optimistic and, and we'll be we'll be uh, participating with them and conversing with them on an ongoing basis. Well, I certainly think that Secretary Walsh's background in the trades and as a union uh, leader is going to be critical. Absolutely. All right, Tim. Now you're ready for the for rapid fire stuff? <laughs> yes, I was ready. I just I was curious about the labor issues with the administration. Oh, I know. That was a good question. All right, guys. Chris, what do you like to do in your spare time if you have any spare time in your spare time? Um, yes, it's hard to do, do a whole lot, but, uh, I enjoy fishing and I don't get to do much of it. And, uh, and what, what do you, what do you, what do you catch down there? Really around here? It's, uh, you can catch bass, trout, um, yeah. but, uh, I'm usually out in a neighborhood pond with my nine year old catching small sunfish. <laughs> yeah. Well, but cool. yeah, we go out to the beach and, and surfish and stuff like that. But um, and then just getting out and doing things, being physically active. John, I promise you, Chris is not ice fishing. No, I, <laughs> I would like to go ice fishing. Actually, I think it would be uh, be fun. I've never done it before, though. It is fun. You bring bring a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, and it'd have to be something. Put your line in a hole, and that's it. That <laughs> has something to keep you warm. No. Ed, how about you? What do you like to do in in your spare time well, or uh, hobbies? I'm similar to Chris. I like to spend time with family. I love to play golf. I love to uh, drink a glass of uh, wine with friends. I mm-hmm. I read a lot. So uh, yeah, pretty much the standards. Uh, I love to spend time with family and friends. So this is a fun fact. But before uh, we even got on the podcast, it's a small world. You had what was it, Tim? He built or designed your old house? Uh, several houses in our old neighborhood. Uh, plus he's. Worked on a uh, project in Philo that probably more people know him for than uh, him building homes in Stone Creek, our local <laughs> golf course. 
Ed, if you'd like to uh, refresh our memory on the Philo home that you worked on. We did an, well, first of all, you know, for-profit operation, building your home was a pleasure, I'm sure. (laughs) We were, uh, we were very active in that market. So it is a small world, Um, but we did an extreme makeover house in Philo and it was really a rewarding experience. Uh, I said, I used to build homes in 90 days. We literally built a home in three and a half days. Um, It was an amazing 24 hour around the clock. We had because it's a seven-day series, but the, and the show's condensed to 45 minutes or whatever it is, tore down the house uh, from the first day and then uh, turned the keys over on the seventh day. But it was really a great experience, not working personalities, but but working with the industry and the professionals. I mean, we had one really quick story that was hugely interesting to me is uh, we had uh, to bring drywallers in at three o'clock in the morning after the inspectors had inspected uh, all at once at two o'clock in the morning. Now, these are city inspectors. Imagine that the city inspectors came out at two o'clock in the morning. We were thankful for that, but everybody, the community is a part of it. But on one side of the house, we had a non-union, uh, about 15 drywallers. And on the other side of the house, we had the union drywallers and they were all participating. The buzzer went off and they started and one was going to do one floor. One was going to do the next floor. And about, 305, there was a pause in the work. Uh, they weren't getting along, that somebody was in somebody's way. And about 310, we all put our heads together and, and successfully finished the drywall. And in a matter of two hours, that house, uh, 2,800 square foot house, was uh, drywalled. I had some taping to do yet. That's how the industry needs to work together. Uh, it was a great experience. As far as I know, the Cunninghams are still living in the house. I believe um, they are. It, it was a great story and, and a lot of fun to participate. Would I do it again? Mm, I'm not sure. I used to have hair before then. How was working with Ty Pennington? <laughs> Ty, Ty Ty was an interesting, I, I don't know how many Red Bulls he drank at six in the morning. <laughs> wow. He was an interesting personality, but there were a lot. We we had some celebrity chefs on the, on the scene too. And I, it was just a really great experience to see the community come together and see the goodwill that uh, people were willing to share. Very and cool. John, I will tell you, Philo, Illinois is a very small community. Yes. Uh-huh. Chris, what's something people probably don't know about Chris Carrier? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that you care to share, that is. Yeah, yeah you got to keep those private, huh? Um, probably, uh, I, like work, I like working outside in my yard and doing things, um, a lot of projects and stuff like that. I hated doing that when I was younger and I think my parents thought I'd just have a cement yard. Um, so I think when they see me doing that kind of stuff now, for me, it's a, kind of a good getaway, stress release. Um, so it's just something that I enjoy doing. Well, I was going to say, and on top of that, if when this COVID is finally over, and I think we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. where's the one place you want to travel with the family? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one for my wife. So. So she's probably got a lot of places mapped out that, that she's ready to go to. I'm perfectly happy just going to the beach the way we, <laughs> we continue to go um, and having no agenda whatsoever. Um, I like waking up in the morning on vacation and, and the choices are, do we go to the beach or the pool today? And, and how do I fit in some fishing? She's got a list of places that she's looking forward to. I, I don't know exactly where all those are, but I'm sure we'll be on flights with itineraries and things like that. When you say beach, what beach are we talking about? So we're out of Atlanta. So I drive to um, a small beach. It's in South Carolina called Fripp Island. Pretty remote. Okay. You get out there, you just rent a, um, a golf cart. You've got a 
condo that you rent, you just drive around the island and you, you're kind of there. So you pick up some food on your way in. And But I, I'm sure this summer, I'm probably not going to get away with that again. Beautiful location. I, I'm okay if we... Um, if we're not able to fly anymore and just keep going there, but but I, I am ready to get my life back and uh, for us to get past COVID. John, you'll be at the Outer Banks this coming weekend, or at least on Monday. So, uh, uh, Ed, how about you? Where's the first place you want to travel with the family? Well, I'm glad you're asking Chris these questions first, so it gave me a little time. But I'd love to go to somewhere warm. Um, I'd love to go to South America. I've never been to South America and spend some time there hiking and, and outdoors and seeing that part of the, the world. I've been to Europe a, a few times and love Ireland. I will always go back to Ireland, but uh, South America makes makes the top of the list. I guess, Ed, uh Crystal ball time. What does the economy look like over the next couple of years for the building trades after everything we've just gone through in 2020? Oh, boy, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I <laughs> I really wish I had a crystal ball back in 08, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it didn't provide that uh, crystal ball. But look, I think, you know, interest rates are going to remain low. It's going to be interesting post-COVID what happens to the inner cities and and is there continue to be this this inner city flight and urban urban flight? So, you know, we've had a really good year in the industry, uh, unexpected in 2020, which has caused some of the shortages in materials and price spikes. But uh, I foresee that uh, over the next couple of years, I saw the Federal Reserve came out yesterday and said, you know, 2023, they, the, the interest rates will re- remain relatively low. That makes it affordable, and there was a ton of pent-up demand from uh, from first-time buyers, and those are still living in the basements of their homes. So I, I'm not an economist, uh, but I would anticipate that it'll be strong for the next couple of years. I, I will just caution, you know, prices. I, having gone through the Great Recession on home prices for a lot of different reasons, and I don't think we we have those reasons now as far as free credit and and uh, uh, irresponsible credit. Um, but I do think the prices are getting up there. And so we've got to be careful that there, uh, there's not an appreciation too strong um, in, in supply. And so builders, which I didn't pay attention as much as I should have in, in 08, shouldn't uh, go f- too far out and leverage uh, and buy a lot of land and, and, uh, and take too far a risk. But I think for the next couple of years, it's going to be pretty strong. Chris, what about you? Chris, of all time, from your perspective as a manufacturer, what do you see in the next couple of years? Yeah, similar to what Ed's saying, I would echo uh, his statements. We we think there's a lot of there's been a lot of pent up demand. You know, we're we're seeing a pretty um, you know some strength in our commercial new construction segment as well as it, it's been really strong in our uh, service and repair s- segment all the way through uh, all the way through the pandemic. You know what what we've seen is you know as people started to have to stay at home, they started doing a lot of projects that um, that they had wanted to do for the last you know four or five years, and now we've kind of gotten through that wave, and now they're starting to do the projects they actually wanted to do now. So so we think it's going to continue to remain strong. Everything fundamentally still looks really strong once we come. We were kind of forced into this recession through a pandemic prior pre pandemic. The economy was strong, and then once we come out of the recession, we think that strength will will still be there, and and we'll still see it. We think it's going to be strong for the next few years. So what I'm hearing then is strengthening the labor gap 
through training new people in the industry is critical and thus the reason why a partnership between HBI and RWC is so important to the industry. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we think this is, you know, it's obviously a big issue, you know, for it for our trade. And if it's an issue for our trade, that, that's our lifeline. So it, it's a, it's something we, we have to address as well. And I think look, for students coming out of school, like Ed was saying earlier, college isn't for everyone. It is for some, and it's the right path that, that some some students should take. But but some, it may not work out. And you can take a trade like plumbing, make a good life for themselves. Um, it's financially rewarding. It gives them a chance to potentially own their own business. It's we just saw here over the last twelve months how how stable it can be. You know, this was this was a, a trade that was that was uh, essential. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we just saw over the last twelve months that that plumbing is is an industry that was essential. So I, I just think it's it's something you know it's really important for the trades. But I think our our, our our story and the selling points around it are, are really appealing. It's just starting to break down that stigma. And that's something we're trying to do, working with HBI and our partnership. Through a lot of our marketing efforts, we're trying to develop various content and make sure that, that we're pushing that out and getting it to the um, to the right audiences. Well, not to pat my partner, John Mason, bring too much on the back, but I will tell you, he probably beats the drum harder than any editor or media personality in our industry about the trades and closing that skilled labor gap. And I'll let you talk about it, John, but I know it's been important to you since the day we met. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that, Tim. I've always said that, uh, you know, it took me about 10 years to graduate the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And <laughs> and uh, when I was going to school, I lived with carpenters and plumbers and mold makers and I always, I never even considered it. I never considered the trades and wasted, I wouldn't say wasted, but you know, I spent 10 years of my life, honest to God, that wasn't going 10 full straight years, but it took me a length of 10 years to finally figure it out and go to school and graduate when I could have entered the trade, gotten paid for it and had, you know, when I was done, gotten into a good job, like you said, I probably would own my own business by now. It's just a great industry to get into. Um, I applaud both of your efforts on, you know, trying to lift the trades for sure. I would just add, I don't know if we're running out of time, but you know, there's a cri- there's a crisis now, 250,000 empty jobs in the, in the, in the construction industry, not all trades, but, but, uh, and if you go back to my comment about losing five plumbers for every one plumber that comes into the, the market, even a correction in the home building industry is, is there's still going to be a crisis for a long, long time. It's a career path. It's not just a temporary mm-hmm. um, good job. It's something that we're going to need for the next 20 years. We're going to need uh, more and more trades in order to build this country. And, and so I, my message to these young people that are looking at it is, as uh, John just said, you know, you can get out of school and make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. You can own your own business and your own truck. And it's the mechanical trades that had all the toys. It wasn't the builders. We had land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the mechanical trades that had the boats and the second homes and the cabins and so forth. So you know, <laughs> we have to do a much better job at uh, articulating that, not only to the students, but to the parents, the counselors, um, that it's going to be here for a long time. And if we don't form partnerships like we've done with RWC and Reliance and mm-hmm. HBI and partnerships with you that are promoting this. Um, we're going to, we're going to suffer through it for a long time. Yeah, I think it's, 
I'd agree. It's it's incumbent upon all of us in the industry to do our fair share. I think it's like it's really making them see, you know, breaking that stigma and, and showing the quality of life that you can really have with a career in plumbing and making sure that, that they're encouraging these kids and not, hey, you're not successful because you didn't go to college. You, you're really you can be just as successful, probably even more successful in a lot of cases by taking the path through the trades because you come out of school and you're making that fifty five, sixty thousand dollars a year straight out of school with no debt. And then there's a there's a path there to potentially own your own business. So it's a I think it's a really good path to, and, and kids just aren't getting that message um, when they're coming out of school. Well we appreciate the time we've had today and John and I end our segments every week when we talk to our guests by asking our guests when the last time you said today is a great day. So Ed, when was the last time you said today is a great day? <laughs> well, I'm going to say now, and I got to tell you why I'm uh, anticipating a call any day, any minute uh, from my oldest daughter who is in labor as we speak. Oh, wow. <laughs> so today, today is a great day and enjoy it while we can. Yeah. Wait, just hold off, honey. Yeah, I'm on a podcast. We'll just, wait, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. We could be breaking news right here on our podcast. Yeah, well, I haven't got that call yet. <laughs> Chris, how about yeah. you? When was the last time you said today is a great it's day? It's going to be hard to top with Ed. Ed's a great day. Um, <laughs> yeah. For me, Tim, every day is a great day, right? It should be the other other way around. When's the last time you uh, said it wasn't a great day? That's right. right. Great. That's a good point of view. I like that. That's I like point. that as well. well yeah, it's um, it's been we've had a lot of it's been a great we've had the challenges of COVID and and I know it's it's had its level of stresses and adaptation for us, but um, but really we we've had it's still been a great year for us, um, and I think for us with partnerships like this with HBI, there's there's a lot of a lot of exciting things on the forefront. Well, we look forward to reading a whole lot more about it in the coming weeks and months, and we're here to help that partnership however we can. John, uh, anything left on your end? No, I think it was a good good conversation. Thanks, guys, for joining us, uh, Ed and Chris. Uh, gosh, I hope uh, you learned some news here in the next <laughs> few minutes. Ed. Oh, my God. Well, I know it's a boy. That's oh, well, there you go. <laughs> But thank you for uh, thank you for the opportunity to share what we're doing. And uh, Chris, as always, thank you for the partnership. Thank you. We're we're equally excited about it. Well, thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thank thanks, you, everyone. John. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.